Miz. Jackson keeps Stanley in front of him. Touchdown, Lamar. McCaffrey scores. 49ers in front. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo. Surface again. In the middle, intercepted. Welcome to the Mixed Pick Sports Show. It's Friday, January 26, 2024. Let's say hi to Steve Mickelson from MixPicks.com. That's two K's in Mix, two K's in Picks. MixPicks.com. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. You can call us at 888-989-9811. Email us rad at radradio.com, which we're actually going to start with one of those. And then we will get to uh, the Kings held on against the Warriors in a game where more than 250 points were scored last night. Is Bill Belichick going to actually have a coaching job next season? And, of course, we are 50 hours away from Championship Weekend and finding out who goes to the Super Bowl. We're going to start with this email from Wes, who says, Hey, Rob and Steve, I am loving the show, and I've been wanting you guys to do this for years. Steve, you are my favorite person to listen to sports in all of media. Wow, that's quite a compliment. Uh, You know, there's a lot of great people out there I'd put way above myself, but thank you very much. You know, that always makes me feel good. He goes on to say, I am a Raiders fan, and I was very excited that they didn't screw up again and gave the head coaching job to Antonio Pierce. And I just saw this week they picked the new GM as the former Chargers GM, Tom Telesco. And I'm wondering what you guys think of him. I'm a football fan, but not so much that I pay attention to things like GMs. The Chargers have been seeming to always bring in good talent. They just seem to squander the opportunity the talent brings. I'm wondering how big of a part Telesco plays in bringing in that talent versus how it was used on the field. And if this is a hire I should be excited about as a Raiders fan. I, you know, Steve, I, I, I don't get, I, I probably couldn't name more than a half dozen GMs. Um, but uh, when you research them, where you look at the job they've done, I mean, Telesco was the GM of the Chargers for 11 years. And I agree with, with Wes's assessment. They brought in some great talent and, Telesco ain't the guy that's in charge. This isn't like baseball, where, where a lot of times the manager isn't the manager. Telesco isn't the guy that's in charge of making it all work on on the field. I, I mean, I, I would think if I was a Raider fan and I had Antonio Pierce as my head coach, I would love having a guy with the pedigree of what Telesco has done. Yeah, I really like the hire. You look at the Chargers over the years, and they've brought in a lot of talent. The GM's job is to assemble the roster, bring the talent and hopefully be able to create some chemistry with those players. And I don't think the Chargers have lacked in any of that. They've they've had great drafts. They've brought the talent in. That's the GM's job. The head coach's job is then to take that roster and put them in a position to win the game with their offensive coordinator schemes, their defensive coordinator schemes. And, you know, the head coaching, teaching, developing these players – but putting them in their best positions for success. So for me, while the Chargers have been very frustrating over the year and you know seem to find ways to lose, especially those games they should win, that's not the GM's role. The GM's role is assembling it. The coach's responsibility is to put the game plan together in order to execute it to win. So I like the hire because I believe he has shown he can bring in the talent. He knows the talent. And if him and Antonio Pierce, and you have to believe that Antonio Pierce was part of this, if they can mesh 
as a group together and they see personnel and players on the same page and how they evaluate them and what they want to do to build this team. I'm excited for the Raiders future to the extent of, of, of an Antonio Pierce being involved. We, we do know that he, he says that he and he and Mr. Uh, he and Tom Telesco had never met prior to whenever they did first meet. And he, he had a really good uh, press conference. Pierce did where he said, look, we're putting our egos aside and, and we're here to win. And that, and speaking of the chargers, when they cleared house and got rid of Brandon Staley, it, at first it looked like, why'd you get rid of Telesco? He, he's not the problem. Now that you've hired Harbaugh, Harbaugh needs a guy he can work with. And and so this is all working out really well for both teams, which is ironic since they're uh, rivals. Uh, we also just got this really nice email from uh, Kyle, uh, RAD at radradio.com, that says, I just want to say, I typically don't like listening to sports talk, usually too much bickering back and forth, and it's just all around boring. But I've really enjoyed listening to you two this week. It's just a breath of fresh air. I've always enjoyed Steve on the Rad Radio Show, and now I will be adding this to my daily listening schedule. Thank you, Kyle. That's exactly what we're going for here, man. As we said from the beginning, two guys, every now and then we'll have friends in, but guys just sitting around their living room, a bar or whatever, and talking sports. Uh, Steve and I, we, we, we disagree occasionally. It's rare, but we do. And even when we do, we do so uh, uh, in a friendly way, in an amicable way, because we know, look, if you want people yelling and screaming and doing hot takes, there's plenty of that everywhere. We're here to talk sports, enjoy sports. Yeah, we get into sports but we also try to keep it uh fun and fresh and, and i don't know I, I think i do know i don't know about you steve but this this hour flies by every day it, it really does and, and the thing that i would like the listeners to know is for the most part this show is what we've been texting back and forth on weekends for years <laughs> i mean this is what we've done instead of done, doing it by text we're just doing it in person on a show now uh one of the things i think also that that you, you hope i hope you enjoy is that we don't beat around the bush and, and we just kind of get into it and we and we we bring you the things that most of us are talking about or thinking about. So if I was going to be all show busy on you, I would save. I would save the, the AFC and NFC championship game till the very end, make you listen all hour. We're not going to do that. We're going to dive right in. And in fact, Steve, I, I saw what I thought was a great article about uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Lions-Niner game, which is a Sunday afternoon game. You're a Lions fan. I'm a Niners fan. Uh, and I've been saying it all week. Uh, the, the Niners this weekend... And and I, I have to I have to put an asterisk on this. I, I've been calling the Niners the most hated team in football this weekend. That's for the NFC. The AFC. The a lot of people are so done with the Taylor Swift thing. They're just rooting against the Chiefs because they don't want Taylor Swift to be involved in the Super Bowl. It feels like America is rooting for a Ravens Lions uh, Super Bowl. And I saw this great article uh, that said the San Francisco 49ers, the NFC's number one seed, has joined the list of the universally hated this week. You know, along with people who hate puppies, anyone who takes calls in public without using headphones, the folks who put the milk back in the refrigerator even though there's only one drop left in the carton, and now the 49ers because they happen to be playing the Detroit Lions who've become America's new favorite team after decades of futility. San Francisco might be the number one seed, but Detroit is the people's NFC champion. Does that play at all to the team, Steve? I, I, mean, I, I agree with that assessment entirely in terms of the fan base. I don't know... I'll answer my own question first on the Niners' side. I don't know that it bothers the 49ers. I don't know if they're walking around going, oh, nobody likes us. Maybe it motivates them. I, I, I don't know. But does that? do you think that affects anything about the, the team or what happens on Sunday? I, I think it might play to an advantage of the 49ers slightly in the fact that, hey, look, they now feel it's them versus the world. They're seeing the media. And, and even though players and coaches say we don't pay attention to it, it's still there. You see it. But to me, it's a tribute to the 49ers. Why, why did people start hating these teams? Because of the success they've had. They're tired of seeing them 
be successful, go to the NFC Championship games, go to the Super Bowls, win Super Bowls. That, that's why, you know, the Patriots used to be a non-factor for all of my youth. And now, you know, every Super Bowl became, are you betting on the Patriots because you like them or are you betting against them because you hate them? It was never really about their opponent because it was just, I'm so tired of the Patriots, I hate them. So to me, it's a sign of respect to the 49ers that, look, You've been this good for this long that people are just tired of you. So enjoy your success. Know you want to continue doing it. And if success means the fans hate us outside of the Bay Area, so be it. It is it is amplified that it is the 49ers and not a not an NFC team that has had some success. I, I mean, it's it, the 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 Lions are in their second NFC Championship game ever. First since 1991. The Niners are in their 19th, which is the record. And then all the other things uh, that you mentioned. And the Niners have been hanging around for the last, you know, many, many years. They're always in the, the conversation. We got this email, rad at radradio.com from Ian, who says, first of all, thank you both for providing me with an entertaining way to end each day. I listen to the show when I relax at home. Great. It's always available on radradio.com, on the podcasting uh, platforms, etc. Says, I'm a Lions fan, like Steve. I love my Lions. But I love the game of football more. I wish both teams the best with zero injuries and no controversial calls. I feel like we all just want an entertaining game. P.S. Steve, I know that you don't cuss. That's okay. I've got your back. Okay, so he's going to cover your end of the cussing. And boy, I know, I mean, look, we wish, you know, you wish in one hand, you throw up in the other, which one fills up first. I, I, I do hope to God, Steve, that the outcome of our game, the Niners-Lions game, has nothing to do with a controversial call. I mean, and ultimately, the outcome we talked about all the time, you got to, you got to play over adversity. I definitely don't want an injury. I don't want an injury to anybody big. Um, Debo is questionable. Debo Samuel is questionable. I think at the very least he'll be used as a decoy. Um, I know you want the same thing. Good, clean, and hopefully close, fun game. Absolutely. That's what it's about. At the end of the day, it is entertainment. I know we're huge fans. But if the Lions are going to win, I want to beat the 49ers at their best. And I know they are not going to be because Debo Samuel injury – I view that as, hey, look, okay, you're giving me a little handicap. Rob, you're a better golfer than me, so you're spotting me a few strokes. That's what the 49ers are doing here in this game. But you don't want it to be determined by an official's call. That would be the absolute worst. And you want it to be an entertaining game, and you want both teams playing their best. And at the end of the day, the best team wins. Now, I am going to throw a disclaimer here because you always ask, did the 49ers lose it or did the Lions win it? Right. And I can tell you right now, even if the Lions win this game, I believe it's going to be much more the 49ers lost it because I still believe to my core, the 49ers are the better team, long-term roster, et cetera. I'm just hoping the Lions are the better team on Sunday. So a preemptive answer to the question on Monday if the Lions win the or it, it is who won it, who lost it, would be the, the Niners lost it. And, and I have to say as a Niners fan, it, no Niner fan gets to blame if if, if they lose uh, in any way the, the Debo Samuel in, injury. For one reason, not only do you have to overcome adversity, but the Niners are an embarrassment of riches with talent. It, it, yes, Debo is vitally important. But when you have Ayuk and Jennings and most importantly McCaffrey, you already got Kittle, you, you can't whine about Debo going down. They, they, but but, but uh, we've got two things that we've been working on in terms of the, the keys to success this weekend uh, and, and for both teams. And, and and one of them that I have for the Lions is the the unknown intangible of Brock Purdy, who who looked 
scared and out of place through most of Saturday night's game against the Packers, and then he pulled it together at the end. He had a press conference uh, earlier this week. He said he went back, he watched his performance, and he wanted to understand why he struggled. Good for him. He admits it. He also says, I don't want to dwell on it. He says, with the Lions coming to town, quote, it's a new game, it's a new scheme, it's a new environment, everything about it is new. It's almost like you've got to clean the slate, learn from the mistakes, and build off the good things that you've done, end quote. He said that he made some decisions early in the game on Saturday that made him a little tentative as the game went on. Interesting. So he set his own tone. He says it wasn't until the Niners' winning drive that it clicked for Purdy. He then went 6-for-7, 47 yards. McCaffrey pounds it in. He says the late-game surge wasn't enough. uh, Rather, uh, given that, the late-game surge wasn't enough for Purdy to dodge another wave of criticism. And then all all the players came out in support. Of course, Brandon Ayuk says... I love playing football with him. He's the reason I'm sitting here today feeling like I have an opportunity to play my best football. And, and I'm, not, I'm not bailing on the Brock Purdy train, but I am nervous about, the, especially in the beginning, I know the – I will. I believe the Lions are going to try to rush him hard in the beginning, get him off his footing, get him out of his rhythm. And I think if the, if the Lions jump out to an early lead, it's going to be a huge test for Purdy to stay focused. It's a long game, not get anxious, et cetera. That absolutely, it's a lot easier to play while you're ahead in the game than than behind and having to bring the team back. And, and that's where part of that, you know, the Packers got out front and then Brock Purdy put some pressure on him. And keep in mind, it's still his second year. He's going through these fi- these big playoff games. You know, he got hurt last year in the championship game. He's going through this. He's got to learn this curve too. To me, he's just got to, get that confidence in himself and understand, look, because he hears all the negativity about him being Mr. You're in the NFL for a reason. You're the quarterback for the 49ers for a reason. You are a quality quarterback in this league. Just have that confidence, go out and get the job done because shooters in the NBA and quarterbacks in the NFL can't be dwelling on what they've done. If you're a pure shooter, you know it. Even if you start 0-6, you don't quit taking shots because you know it's going to come around. And as a quarterback, you have to have that short memory. If I threw an interception, big deal. I know I'm the best. Go out and get the job done. And that, to me, is what Purdy's got to establish in himself is just have that confidence and not pay attention to all the people in the media saying, oh, he's not that good and all that other stuff. Look, have the confidence. You're a starting quarterback in the NFL. You have to be great. Then we got the Niners' run defense, 25th in rushing yards allowed, 28th in yards per carry allowed, and the Lions on the other side have the two-headed rushing attack of Gibbs and Montgomery. This has been your key to success for the Lions from the beginning because you saw a weakness uh, when they played the Packers that if the Lions want to have a chance, and and the the Niners' pass uh, pass rush was not great either, but the key for the Lions' victory for you is that rushing attack. Absolutely. The Lions go out and rush for 150 yards in this game. I'll tell you, Rob, I'm feeling pretty good about this game that the Lions have a legit shot at winning this game. But when they're not able to run, it takes away the play action pass. Jared Goff then is a good quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. Then he has to carry the team. For the Lions, and you see it week in and week out, the weeks that they're very successful, it's because they really have a strong rushing attack and they're able to sustain that and take that pressure off of Goff. So to me, that is a major part of this Lions offense. The second part is is when Goff goes to throw, they have to keep him upright. If he's getting knocked down 
every play and is under constant pressure. Even if you're able to run the ball, it's still tough. You got to be able to throw it as well. So they have to have success running it and they have to keep, you know, Golf upright. On the other side, I was I was trying to find a couple of things related to the Niners. I mean, it's like okay, when you're breaking down the Niners game, we all see the talent, we all see the names that I already mentioned. Here's another thing that the Lions have to really focus on: the 49ers are the toughest team to tackle in the NFL this season. They lead the league in yards after contact. So it, when when they get it in the hands of all those guys who I mentioned, the Lions defense has to put a stop to that. They do lead the league in yards after contact allowed mm-hmm. per game at 63. And a half, but and the other thing, Steve, that you were talking about uh, to me earlier was your your other concern with the Niners would be Shanahan's play calling and his endless commitment to the run. Yes, that that worries me a little bit. I understand you need to commit to the run because the 49ers, you know, have to have success running the ball. But Shanahan has flat out said, look, we're not going to change for the weaknesses of our opponents. We're going to do what we do best, and we're going to run the ball, even if they're strong against the run, because we want to instill our will on our opponents. You know, the Lions are a top five team against the run. I mean, if I heard the stat right, they haven't allowed a, a running back to rush for over 70 yards the entire season. So this isn't a team that's going to give up a lot of yards running the ball. And Dan Campbell's philosophy has always been, look, we're going to take the run away. You can beat us other ways, but you're not going to beat us running the ball. The Lions are 31st in the league against the pass. They have no one in that secondary who can cover. Set up the establish your running game by throwing the ball. And to me, that falls back to Bill Walsh. I'm the 49ers. I'm not afraid to come out and throw the first 15 (laughs) plays of the game, throw the ball. We saw the Raiders do it many years ago with Gannon. I think he threw like 21 or 23 straight passes to open the game. It's get the run going by just look, if you're not, if you're going to throw eight in the box, we're going to throw a pass you know, a little crossing route there, pick up five to 10 yards every single play. And until you figure out how to stop it, I can tell you right now, this is the play we're running. And if you can't stop it, this is all you're going to see until you make changes to stop it. And then at that point, establish the the run. I mean, you mentioned the Bill Walsh era. The first thing I flashed you is the classic slant play. Just a quick slant across the middle, five, six, seven-yard gain. Of course, you've got the X factor of Kristen McCaffrey. You can always just throw uh, j- just a, a dump pass uh, out, out to the right for just th- three, four yards, let them run uh, really quick. And, and then that's the key, right? Once they open it up, and maybe if you, if you gain a few yards, maybe take a shot down the field, then you hand the ball to McCaffrey, and he can actually break through that, that run that run defense, and, and they've got to establish something like that, maybe some screens to start. I, I agree with you entirely. I hope Shanahan's ego doesn't say, oh, yeah, well, you've never you've never played against McCaffrey, this great defense, and I'm going to show you that we can just pound it at you. Uh, but but I do, you know, I I, 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 tr- I I trust, I have to trust in Shanahan. By the way, to the guy who wants a clean game, referee Cleet Blakeman's regular season crew took to heart the NFL's midseason emphasis on offensive offside penalties and throws uh, has thrown a high the highest level of offside penalties in the league. Uh, second in the NFL in flags overall, the crew is related to defensive pass coverage, illegal contact, and defensive pass interference and defensive holding. So if the crew holds to what they've done all year, they threw the second most number of flags on everything having to do with pass interference and illegal contact. Hopefully they're going to let them play. So I ask you, Steve, who you got? 
I'm hoping the Lions can keep it close. If, if it, the line actually got to seven and a half, I'd really be kind of looking at the Lions because I, I think, if, again, if they're able to run the ball, they can keep this game close. Uh, at seven, to me, that's that's a non-starter. I, I'm not interested to go there. For me, if I can get the Niners at like six, you know, I'd look at teasing the 49ers down, you know, to get them at minus one, minus a half, and all they got to do is basically win the game. Uh, but as far as the betting part, I need seven and a half before I switch to the Lions. But, but I do believe the 49ers are the better team. I'm hoping it's a great game. You know, you just gave me all that information about these referees and how they really call a lot of penalties. I hope that's not the case. Let them play. Obviously, throw the flags on, on the penalties that are blatantly obvious. I think you need to have it, but you know, if a guy's got his arm wrapped around the guy's waist, he's not turning him as he's going into the fend the pass and he has no impact on the receiver catching the ball or not let it happen. I mean, I don't want to see this. If you touch him, it's a penalty. And, and even the offensive offsides, look, warn the team first before you throw the flag. The first time, look, we're going to make this call. So at least both teams know it. Don't make, the first time you make the call, the first time somebody does it, a critical part of the game because the best games are the games you never notice the referees, and that's what I want to see. But I, I think the Niners are the better team and should win this game. Obviously, we're both rooting for and wanting our individual teams to win, and and you do you give your Lions a chance. Mm -hmm. I mean, a absolutely. Because look, I guess so. If the Lions lose, you're not going to be overwhelmingly shocked and devastated is the way I gather it because they're they, like you've been saying all week, it's house money for them. The, the only way I'm going to be devastated is, and I sent you this video clip several weeks back of the last time the lions played and they're playing the Cowboys and Matthew Stafford's leading them down. Yeah. It's like third and short. He throws a, a, a pass and the Cowboys deep back blows up the wide receiver. They call pass interference they even announce pass interference, and then they decide, okay, no, we're going to pick the flag up. It becomes fourth down. Detroit throws an incomplete pass. If they had completed the pass, they would have been like down by the 20-yard line in field goal range for the win. They went for it fourth down, didn't get it, game over. Something like that will really upset me because that's not my team getting beat. That's the Lions losing by an egregious call that everyone can see it. As long as that doesn't happen and it's a good, clean game, Niners, what I'm happy to be here. I'm playing with house money. And I know that we're we're similar in the sense, so I mean relative to however you root as a fan. Uh, when we say devastated, Steve and I don't punch walls and, and we don't call in sick to work the next day, but it, it's, an, it's an emotional reaction and then we, we understand that that you have them. And the reason I asked that question is as a Niner fan, I, I, I caution myself. I'm not taking the game for granted at all. I see ways that this could be a difficult win for the, for the Niners. I expect the Niners to win. That is my prediction. And, and, and I believe that for Niner nation, it would be devastating if they didn't, it, it, even though we all understand that this is, this is a real team that we're playing. Uh, the Niners are at home. They are the best team uh, in the NFL, the most talented team uh, in, in certainly in the, in the NFC. And if the Lions win, it's going to be a gut punch because yet again, the Niners get so close and they don't even get to the Super Bowl. I mean, the Niner, Niner Nation has been to two Super Bowls in the last decade and they lost them both. And that, that, is, that stings a franchise base that is used to winning. To not even get there yet again, it would be 
it would really be a shocker. I, I think you would never hear Levi Stadium so quiet pending how many Lions fans are are uh, are traveling. I mean, when I get over it Sunday night or Monday morning, I'll be thrilled for you. But um, uh, I, I I would be um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Lions won, but I would be uh, I would be I would be surprised if they pulled it out. And I and I would probably agree with you. I haven't seen the game, Steve. I would be able to go. That's where the Niners lost it. That's on the Niners. Absolutely. And if I were to tell you at the beginning of the season, hey, look, the Niners' path to the Super Bowl is the Packers and the Lions <laughs> at home. That's all you got to do. You're already, look, I'm booking Super Bowl tickets because <laughs> I already know we're going. You know, we're not right. getting Dallas. And granted, I believe their Niners are a better team than Dallas, but you're not getting Dallas. The you're Eagles. not getting the Eagles team <laughs> that we saw for the first 11 weeks of the season. Yep. That was like, ooh, this is a really good team before their collapse. Lions, Packers, that doesn't scare anyone. Uh, email from Robert says, let's go Lions. I'm a Raiders fan, and I just don't want to see an all-red stadium at my Raiders home field. Oh, yeah, Chiefs and Niners, et cetera. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll do the AFC Championship game uh, uh, later on. we got to talk about the Kings. we got to talk about some NFL coaching. We'll be right back and do that. Knicks, Picks. The Mix Pick Sports Show. Let's go! Call the Mix Pick Sports Show at 888-989-9811. You can email us, rad at radradio.com. We got this email from Juan who says, Gentlemen, the realization is slowly creeping up on me that we only have three more meaningful games left in the season. This season had its crazy moments, but alas, we have made it to the end with only four teams left. I wrote in for the very first Mixed Picks show. That would be way back when we were doing them only on uh, Wednesdays, claiming that the Eagles would be hosting the 49ers in the NFC Championship game and the Jaguars would be hosting the Ravens in the AFC. Well, I was half right. I also predicted the Niners would beat the Ravens in the Super Bowl, but I'm not too sure now. To be honest, I believe that best game left of the season, including the Super Bowl, will be played between the Ravens and Chiefs. Ravens have the better overall team, but Mahomes is this generation's Tom Brady. As long as he is at the helm, the Chiefs always have a shot. If the Ravens win, I have them winning their third title, which hurts to admit because I'm a Steelers fan. If the Chiefs win, I can see either the Niners or the Lions making it a game and even beating the Chiefs. But in the end, I'm rooting for the Lions to take it all. We'll get to uh, all of that uh, AFC stuff when we preview the game here uh, in a few minutes. Wanted to hit you with a couple of other things that happened uh, in the last 24 hours. Falcons are hiring Raheem Morris as their new coach. Uh, he was their interim coach for 11 games in 2020 after the club fired Dan Quinn. Spent the last three seasons as the Rams' defensive coordinator. He was coaching Tampa Bay from 09 to 11. Okay, well, we can we got all, all, all day to talk about Raheem Morris or all year. My, my question is this, Steve. Is Bill Belichick going to find a landing spot? Because I saw something that parrots something you've been saying where there's only two head coaching spots left. Everybody right now is betting the Washington Commanders is where Belichick would land if he was going to land. But the the buzz now is exactly what you've been saying, that Belichick is is strident in insisting on his coach is the CEO power structure. And the way I heard it put is there's time and there's power. Belichick has a short supply of one and continues to seek an abundance of, a, of, another, of the other and that everybody's just walking away that Arthur Blank in Atlanta said, I'm not restructuring the whole organization. I love my GM, et cetera. And that he, we, the greatest coach of all time might not have a job next year. Yeah, I'm curious where he's going to go from here. I don't believe he's going to have a job. I thought 
hands down the best fit for him would be to go to Atlanta. Uh, but that didn't happen with Raheem Morris getting hired there. I don't think he ends up in the job. I'm hoping he ends up as a commentator on one of the football pregame shows because I'd really like to see the real Bill Belichick, you know, not the coach that we've always seen, the coach that doesn't answer in press conferences because everything that I've ever read about him and heard about him, he, he is one of the biggest historians of football. So his knowledge of the game is unquestioned, you know, not just from the coaching, but just from the history aspect as well. And they say he's got a really good sense of humor. And I, I would love for, I'd love to see it myself. And I'd love for people to see that because we all have this perception of Belichick as the strict, no nonsense, doesn't tolerate anything. You can't ever have any fun. And, and I'd like to see the lighter side of him. But my question now goes to, will he even get a job, say, next year? Or is his coaching days done? And if they are done, how does he feel about that in that he wasn't able to to dictate the end of his career? It was cut short, and he really thought he'd get a job. Many people thought he'd get a job this year, and he didn't. And then if he can never ends up getting one, what a surprise and, you know, rough ending to, you know, arguably the best coach in the NFL's career. So it, it, we do live in this time, right, where, uh, what is it, you know, 70s, the new 60, et cetera, because it, – it's not like Belichick shows no sign. He doesn't look like, what is he, 71 years old, something like that? He, he doesn't look whatever he is. And no. and, and everything that is that you've said about Belichick is everything that so many people have said. And so what I would, I guess, look, I, I want Belichick in the game. I still think he's good for football. I would love to watch this march towards breaking Shula's record. And if he needs 13, he's going to need two seasons unless he falls ass backwards into the Kansas City Chiefs job because Andy Reid retires, which, you know, that rumor's out there. We talked about it. It would be... I think great for all of us if if something like that can't happen. Belichick does TV for a year, and we see that. And then he gets a job the next year, maybe even because of his personality, et cetera. It's, it, I don't know if it would humble him to the point where he would say, okay, I don't need to be the CEO. Or maybe it would make another owner go, look, I got to bring this guy in. There's something here that nobody's seeing. That might be a great scenario. I don't, I, you, know, you asked how Belichick would feel about it. I would hate it. I don't want this to be the end for Belichick. I don't either. I think he's great for football, uh, all the success he's had. But again, I understand that he wants all that power. If you already have an established GM, you're not going to give that up because that's your job. You're basically, oh, bring in Belichick and I'm out of a job. So I believe there are those out there that, you know, as they would say, are protecting their jobs. Look, I don't want to bring him in because he's a threat and I'm no longer a part of this. I believe I'm an important part, so I don't want that competition. I've always believed in just you want the best staff. You want to surround your people with better people than you even to get the job done. If you want the success, you need the people around you who are great at their jobs as well because ultimately that means you can move up and they can move up as well. But that's not the way, unfortunately, a lot of people in the world see it. Uh, last night, Steph Curry had his best scoring night in more than three weeks, but lost the ball near midcourt to end things as the Warriors came up short against their rival Sacramento Kings, losing 134-133. Golden State actually trailed most of the night, uh, but whittled Sacramento's lead to 128-124 behind a pair of three-point plays by Kamunga. Curry followed with his sixth three-pointer of the night and then later went behind his back twice and made a lob pass to Kaminga for a dunk, put the Warriors up 132-131. Sabonis answered 
with his own dunk for the game-winning points. So the Kings win it. They win it close. They hold on. The Warriors still stink. They're rivals. Did we really learn anything from this game? Uh, the thing I took out of the game more than anything was the Kings. And I'm critical of their defense. I think their defense really needs to improve. But the last two possessions by the Warriors, the Kings' defense shut them down. This is what you have to do. I'm not asking them to play great defense the whole game, but I will take a step back from being as critical on their defense because when it mattered, the defense stepped up. They shut the Warriors down. And, you know, Herder missed two free throws late in the game, and you're like, oh, my gosh, he could have put my three. They're up by one. And you're like, oh, this could but uh, defense stepped up, stole the ball from Steph. And, and even if Steph hadn't lost the ball, I want to say the clock was down to, you know, about one second on it. He's throwing up a 40-footer with two guys in his face. The chance of him making it were so small. And again, that defense stepped up, played well. It, it gave me a little bit of hope for the Kings that – if they need to and come crunch time in the playoffs, that they can actually play enough defense to get it done. The uh, now for the Kings fans, right? This is always a game where, and and you know, obviously the Kings, the Kings are built to get in the the, the playoffs. The fans want to see them make another run, and and it, so it matters anyways. But beating the Warriors is, is at this point is it's like it's like worth two wins to to Kings fans. They just they they it just it puts a spring under the Kings fans' steps. And and for the Warriors, it's interesting because. Who would have thought that we'd be at the point where we're, we're talking about moral victories for the Warriors, where they came back and they almost won? And this, this to me, is a sign of what we've been talking about with the Warriors, that they're not only not what they used to be, but they might not ever be what they used to be for a while and that they've got to really be thinking about restructuring this team. Yeah, last night we watched it. was really a Kaminga uh, and a Seth Curry show for the Warriors. There wasn't a whole lot else there. No defense. This was a shootout the first half. It got a little better in the second half. But you're just watching this going, you know, this isn't the Warriors team that I've known and loved in the past. They're not the high-scoring team. They're not the best shooting team anymore. They turn the ball over too much. They're not great on defense. It's To me, it's becoming more and more obvious that the Warriors we've known as are done and gone, that they're not going to be able to turn it on and suddenly, you know, get up to the fifth, sixth seed, hit the playoffs and advance. It's not a good team. And I think you got to be looking at dismantling it, rebuilding it. Seth's getting up in age. You know, the question I asked there is, as part of, if you got to go into the rebuild, do you keep Seth or do you trade him? I mean, Steph, it, Steph is such a great player. And I want to see him retire a warrior, but if Steph is it, you know, how bored is he going to start getting if you're never in, in games that are meaningful? Uh, and, you know, would you be better off just letting him trade and go compete at the end of his career or have a team that's not? And, and I don't think they're going to be able to turn this around quickly. And what a commentary on today's NBA where you, you're rightfully praising the end-of-the-game defense by the Kings. We're praising the defense where they gave up 133 points. I, I mean, this is you and I grew up in an age where you know not, 95 to 78 was a high-scoring uh, basketball game, uh, and this is where we are now. We're going to take a break. Uh, we've got the AFC Championship game uh, between the Chiefs and the Ravens on Sunday next. Knicks Picks. The Mix Pick Sports Show. Let's go! 
The Mix Pick Sports Show. Got a hot take? Email us at rad at radradio.com. We got this email from uh, Shalina, who uh, wrote in and... Don't know what that's about. Sorry about that. Uh, who wrote in and said, uh, I'm a girl, and I never really got into football. I'll sit and half watch it with my husband, but usually we'll start playing on my phone and fall asleep. But now with Steve and his Lions, I watched last week's whole game with the Lions, and I can't wait for this Sunday's game. I'm rooting for you and your Lions, Steve, and I hope they go all the way and win the Super Bowl. I love you, Steve, and I love your Lions. That's awesome to hear. Thank you very much. We need all the support we can get to win on Sunday, and hopefully we can make it happen. I mean, the endless love for you and your Lions. See, and, th- and this this is what we were talking about at the start of the show. This is a microcosm of what's going on across the country. Whether they have a Steve Mickelson in their life, a long-suffering Lions fan who's a lovable character, or they just look at the team, which which when we get into football fans, that's more where, where they're looking at. They're looking at at, at the, the whole backdrop of the team. You've got you've got Detroit, which has had a long, painful history in in this country. They've they've done a great job of rebuilding the city, uh, and, and but still the history's there. The, the 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 team itself has been for a lot of the last many decades a laughing stock. Dan Campbell is one of the X factors. Obviously, he is a I, I don't know a fan that wouldn't want Dan Campbell as their the the head coach of their favorite team. And this is this is why I think I I haven't seen the stats. I should probably look them up. I, I wonder what about sales of like Lions jerseys this week, especially to places that have nothing to do with with Detroit. I mean the the the, the quote unquote country is behind your Lions, which is awesome. And if you look, I believe the Lions playoff tickets the last two weekends were the highest playoff ticket cost to go to the game. So, and, you know, for that area, they've been so hungry, like myself, (laughs) for anything to root for that they finally have their opportunity here. And it's just wonderful to see all the support coming out because I really do think it is a great story, a franchise that has really never been a consideration in so many years actually has a shot to go to the Super Bowl. And if they win, uh, playing the Ravens or the Chiefs, you know, I'm not counting them out either. I think both the Chiefs, I think the Ravens are a much better team than the Lions, but I'm not that convinced that the Chiefs are that much better. The Lions beat the Chiefs in KC the first week of the season. So I I would give the Lions a shot to win if they beat the 49ers, I think they got a shot to win the Super Bowl. I will be fascinated to see uh, what Levi Stadium looks like on Sunday in terms of the uh, percentage of red versus blue. You know, the 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 Bay, I grew up in the Bay Area. Bay Area is notorious for when the team is winning. Oh, we are the best fans ever. When the teams aren't doing so well, for the most part, we're not such good fans. Now, the Niner fans held in pretty pretty good this uh, this century during that first decade when when the Niners were really struggling. Um, I don't get the impression Niner fans are taking Sunday for granted um, and, and not willing to show up. But uh, if the Lions, I mean, the Lions fan base, I'm sure as many of them that can travel and get there, there will be. So, and that'll be something to watch. And and, and go ahead. No, I was going to say, that I don't think there's going to be as much blue as you think. Being a lifelong Lions fan, you can't ever buy Lions merchandise. I don't live... <laughs> In Michigan, you can't find it anywhere. You even go on QVC, and a lot of times you look it up. The one team we don't have is the Lions. So it's not like you can buy this merchandise. Even this year, though, there's been a limited supply. So when you try to buy it, they're sold out, which I can't even comprehend because normally they don't even make it because there is no interest. 
but I'm curious to see how much blue. I don't think there's going to be as much blue there as you think, just because there isn't the merchandise out there. I alluded earlier to okay, you know the Niners. The Niners are the the, the hated team, you know, in the NFC. I I don't know about it, which one the overall America would say we hate more because there is a trending social media thing to root for the Ravens because there are a ton of people, fans, tertiary fans, that are just tired of the Taylor Swift thing, which makes them tired of, of Kansas City Chiefs. They don't want two weeks build up hype weeks uh, to the Super Bowl. They don't want a Super Bowl that centers around Taylor Swift. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of people saying, you know, go go Ravens, just, just get the Chiefs out of there. And and this is this to me is a is a real battle of the Titans, a real matchup here. I mean to me it's not even Ravens Chiefs, it's Mahomes versus Jackson for for the most part. And what I find interesting about that is these are the two teams that led the way in regular season scoring defense. They were the two that that gave up the fewest points. But can they stop each other's quarterback? I, I mean I I know there are other intangibles, there are things that what you look at it, but I center on that and and Mahomes is the one with the experience. Jackson seems to be the one with the hot hand, but I wonder. I mm, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they really shocked us with the amount of points they scored Sunday. Yeah, I take a little bit different view on this game. I think it is Patrick Mahomes against, but I think it's against the Ravens. You look at this Ravens team, as you said, they're number one in opponents' points scored. They're the number two offensive team in the NFL. They're the number one rushing team. And if they're able to run the ball, even though the Chiefs' run defense is pretty good, and they get a lead, Lamar Jackson isn't as huge of a factor. So for me, it's much more of a Ravens team, which is an outstanding team, versus Patrick Mahomes. Because right now, I wouldn't say outside of their really good defense, the key factor is Patrick Mahomes. I don't think their offense is anywhere near as explosive. They've dropped a lot of balls. They have a decent running game. They really don't have the deep threat and the explosive plays in that offense. So if you like the Chiefs, it's got to be Patrick Mahomes. I, I mean, you're not going for anything other than their defense and Patrick Mahomes. But the Ravens are arguably the best all-around team in the NFL. Easily. easily. I mean, when you're talking talent, I mean, the Ravens and the Niners, those mm -hmm. th that should be, right? If we're playing a computer simulation, that should be who winds up in, in the Super Bowl. But that is why, as they say, we play the games. And and one of the things specific to the Chiefs' defense is making Lamar Jackson beat them with his arm if he's going to beat them at all. They've got – I saw a stat of since 2019, so Spagnola, the defensive coordinator, in that time no team has allowed more rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks in the regular season than the Chiefs. So there is a huge gap there, right? The Chiefs give up more rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks than any team in the last four years. Hello, Lamar Jackson. That's what he does, and this is this to me is where a lot of Chiefs fans are, are, are stepping back, going, "What are we going to do about that?" Because they want Lamar to have to throw the ball. They they have to force him to, and I I don't. That's my biggest concern for the Chiefs in terms of this. This game could get out of hand really quickly. I I, I said it's a battle of the Titans, and I believe that I want to. I want it to be a high scoring battle between the two, but. I could easily see the Ravens going up 14 nothing and, and never looking back if Spagnola has not figured out what he's going to do about shutting down Lamar Jackson's run and force him to at least pass the ball. I agree. They got to take the run away. And you have to – I'm not saying you got to pressure Jackson. Uh, to me, I would want to maintain him in the pocket. I'm not letting you escape. I'm not letting you get outside of the pocket. 
I may not sack you, but you know what? You're not going anywhere. I'm taking that running part of your game away, and I'm going to force you to throw the ball. The other part for the Chiefs is they have to get up early. We've seen that Lamar Jackson is not the same quarterback, and the Ravens are not when they are trailing. So the Chiefs are going to have to score, I think, a touchdown on that opening drive. And then you just sit back and you force Lamar Jackson to throw the ball. That, to me, is his weakness. And and it's tough to say because I believe he threw for like 3,600 yards. How can you say he's not a good passer? He is, but that's more of the weakness of this offense is if they have to rely on Jackson throwing the ball in order to move it. So I wouldn't be worried about the sacks. I would be looking at, if I'm the Chiefs defense, keep him in the pocket, make him throw the ball. And on, on the other side about the, the Chiefs getting up uh, early, uh, Baltimore, I was just I just found the stat. They allowed the second lowest open scoring to opposing uh, receivers and uh, and quarterbacks this year. So they, they shut it down early. I mean, every, when, when you look at all of this stuff, everything comes down to what we said, Mahomes. I mean, yes. it, 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 somehow he has got to do the Mahomes magic, not just at the end of the game, because and like you said, he needs his defense to keep them in the game to even have that chance. And, and, and it, it, yes, the quarterback is always the guy, but it seems like more this time than ever. But I, I had an interesting intangible question as well on this, Steve. We got two of the best coaches in the NFL here, Andy Reid and John Harbaugh. And I, man, I give the edge to Andy Reid in terms of just, you know, all things being equal in terms of being able to figure this out and, and coach. I'm not saying John Harbaugh is not a good coach. He's an excellent coach. But if I had to pick one of them to coach a game to, to whatever, save my life, I, I would I would lean towards Reed. I mean, I look at both of them as top three coaches in the league. <laughs> They're two of the three. <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, hey, do I want a Mercedes? Do I want a Cadillac? I mean, I'm getting a – and I know for others, you want your cars a little bit higher there. But – uh <laughs> you know, they're both such great coaches. They know what to do. They've both been there. They've won Super Bowls. Um, this game isn't going to be too far out of their reach. It comes down to Mahomes. I mean, he's got to have a great game, and the Chiefs cannot settle for field goals like they have in the red zone. They have to get the touchdowns. So Mahomes is not going to be able to, oh, yeah, hey, okay, we're relying so much on our defense that it's okay to settle for this field goal. They have to punch it in the end zone. But he's the wild card. If Mahomes has an outstanding game and I read you just great numbers, you're going to tell me the Chiefs won. You don't even need to look at the Ravens. It's all going to be Patrick Mahomes versus the Ravens. We did the same thing with the NFC Championship game in terms of are they going to let him play. Uh, Referee Sean Smith's regular season crew through the third most flags in the NFL this season. Uh, he's also made an above-average number of roughness calls. <sighs> Hopefully they'll just let him play the game. I, I, I'm glad uh, because of the controversy surrounding him that Sean Hockley is not the referee of either one of these games. His name was mentioned way too many times this season in terms of uh, of calls that may or may not have been going one way or the other. Uh, it, 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 I'm glad he's not in the mix. And before we get to the ultimate question for the AFC Championship game, we got a nice note from Robert who says, I really enjoy the sports talk. I'm in the Bay Area. When you guys go off the air, I switch to local sports talk, and they are riding the Niners, thinking it's a cakewalk on Sunday. I love hearing the 50-50 talk and not one-sided. That's a, that's an old it's an old hack in sports radio. Uh, I've never liked it being in the broadcasting industry uh, for 30 years where you just tell the fans what they want to hear. I think it's much better to talk about the things you should be looking at, things you should be prepare, preparing for. 
Uh, that's a joke if they're saying it's a cakewalk on Sunday. Uh, Steve and I have already picked the Niners should win uh, on Sunday, but boy, do the Lions have a chance, and we, and we spelled out how. In terms of the Chiefs and the Ravens, it sounds like officially, Steve, you've got the Ravens winning. Yeah, I think the Ravens are the better team. They are what I I am hoping in this game. I'm thinking back to a few emails ago when one of the emails you received and read was the person who's the Raiders fan is talking about all the red in Allegiant Stadium. <laughs> Man, I'm with you. I, I'm not a Raiders fan, but I don't think I can handle that being a Raiders fan looking at all that red in my stadium, even though it's the Super Bowl. I, I just so. I'm hoping one of the two don't. Obviously, I'd like to, the Lions to play the Chiefs because I think we'd have a better shot at winning it. But uh, if it's not going to be the Lions and it's the 49ers, I'm hoping it is the Ravens. So now, so we're, 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 we, we both predicted the Niners will win. Obviously, you want the Lions to win. I want the Niners to, uh, to win. In the AFC game, and I think you just answered it, you're predicting the Ravens will win. And, and do you want them to win? I, I would like to see them win. There's a part of me that's a little tired of the Chiefs, although I love watching Patrick Mahomes play. He, he is so magical back there. And, and anytime he's on the field, you have to believe the Chiefs have a chance to win, even if they're down 17 points. Ah, don't worry about it. Mahomes is going to leave a couple drives here, put them right back in the game. So he is a great quarterback. Um, he's He is the best quarterback in the NFL. But – and I'll be honest, I really don't want to see the Taylor Swift thing for two two weeks. And in her defense, I mean, just let her go to the game. I mean, let her enjoy it. I'm hoping she's enjoying the game. She seems like she is. But why does the media have to just continue with everything? It's the media is the problem. I mean, yeah. if you were Taylor Swift, aren't you just, look, I just want to go to the game and enjoy it. Why do I have to be on every commercial? Why do every turnover, every time they score a touchdown, why do you have to pan to me? I got, I got, I got the Ravens winning. Um, as a Niner fan, I probably should be rooting for the Chiefs because I do think that the, the Chiefs are not the Chiefs this year, and I think that the Niners would have a better shot in the Super Bowl against them. Um, but I, I, I think that the Ravens are going to win, and the reason I root for them is exactly what you just said, the, the intangible of enough, of enough is enough of this off-field crap that has nothing to do with the NFL. All right, Steve, have a great weekend. Enjoy the game, and we will be back on Monday morning, man, and we'll know who's going to the Super Bowl. Thank you, and I will let you know where I'm watching so you know which way you need to go. All right. Mix. <laughs>